All right, thank you very much for that beautiful song. Take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 13 this morning. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus begins teaching in parables. Now, a parable is a story that reveals a truth. And the purpose of a parable has two purposes. One is to conceal the truth from the self-righteous or self-satisfied. To reveal the same truth to the eager souls that want to learn more. Now, Jesus began this parables after what we had been teaching about the hardness of the Pharisees. The Pharisees and others, they weren't going to take anything Jesus said. Uh, the plain truth, all of the things right in front of them, they weren't receiving. So when they committed the unpardonable sin, that's uh, when Jesus began to teach in parables so that he would not add more condemnation upon them for rejecting the truth, and so that those that were eager, those who were receptive, would be able to understand, and he would explain the parables to them. Well, <clears throat> we're going to read Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 to 9. Just today I'm going to look at the first parable. I'm not going to cover all these parables, because if you were with us three years ago, we did a whole series on the parables. So I'm just going to cover one of them today. And then next week is Palm Sunday. We're going to skip ahead in Matthew. We're still in Matthew, but we're going to jump from 13 to chapter 27 and look at the crucifixion of Jesus next Sunday. And then, of course, Easter Sunday, Matthew chapter 28 on the resurrection of Christ. But today, the parable of the sower, starting in Matthew 13, 1. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea and great multitudes were gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Father, we bow in your presence today. And we come to you and pray that as we look into your scripture and we look at the teaching of Jesus on the parable of the soils. I pray that, God, you would illuminate the Scriptures to us. Help us, Father, to learn something about our own soul or about the needs of others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. April was always a big deal in Iowa. <laughs> in April, it's planting time. Planting the seed of corn and soybean and wheat and other things that they would grow, it was a big deal. And of course, the planters, the farmers would have all the, the accoutrements, the big John Deere planters with all of the rows that they could occupy. Well, back in Bible times, they never heard of John Deere. 
never heard of uh, green. And uh, they had to plant a little bit different. In first century Israel, the fields were long, narrow strips marked off and surrounded by footpaths, no fences, no hedges, just footpaths. A sower would have a bag of seed across his shoulder, and he would go and he would take his hand and just broadcast the seed and try to get it as even as possible, and he would go through the entire field that way. Now, some of that seed that he was sowing would fall upon different types. And Jesus used this to illustrate the seed of the Word of God going to different kinds of soils, meaning different hearts. Let's look at the first type of soil that Jesus uses this illustration to describe, and it's called the wayside soil, the wayside soil. It refers to those well-trodden footpaths that separated the fields. They were not plowed, and the climate in the Palestine area was very hot, and it would soon bake that soil so it would be as hard and as impenetrable as concrete is. So the seed that would land on there, the, the guy wouldn't try to throw it on there, of course, you'd waste it, but some of the seed would naturally land on this wayside soil, and it had no hope of penetrating that hard layer of the footpath. It would lie there and get trampled or be eaten by birds, and it was no chance for it to sprout. That was the first type of soil. Now, in this illustration, the seed is good. Nothing wrong with the seed. Verse 19, notice what it says there, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, that is the seed, the word of the kingdom, the message of how to enter God's kingdom, the sphere of salvation. It's good seed. It's the gospel message today. The fact that Jesus died, the fact that he was buried and rose again is good news. And those who exercise faith in him, that is the gospel. That's the whole message. There's a lot of people today want to say that we need to get some new and improved seed. That old seed, that same old message of the gospel needs a little updating, needs a little um, remodeling, you might say. No, The seed is good. The gospel is the only thing that can change people's lives. There's nothing wrong with that seed at all. As a matter of fact, in the Bible, this gospel, this message, the seed is called the living seed in John 6. It's called the powerful seed in Romans 1.16. It's called the incorruptible seed in 1 Peter 1.23. It's also called the precious seed. And some of that good gospel seed fell upon the hard ground. That ground was hard. Now, Jesus, of course, was referring to the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day. They had witnessed the miracles that Jesus had performed. They'd heard His teachings They, with their own eyes, saw the Son of God, yet their religious traditions and their desire to hang on to their positions had hardened them to the living God right in front of them. So when they heard the good seed, it just did not penetrate the hardness of their heart. You know, there's people like that today. You tell them that Jesus loves them. You tell them that God 
sent his son to die on the cross as payment for their sin. And then all they have to do is repent and believe in Jesus. And they just sit there as if you're talking politics to them. They sit there with no penetration, hardened hearts. You know, various grounds in the world are harder than others. My friends, uh, missionaries in Europe tell me that Europe is hard ground. If you've ever been there, the gospel's already been there and burnt over and people rejected it and they don't want it. They don't need God. A lot of atheists over in Europe. And you know the great awakening that happened in America? You know where it started? It happened in New England when people believed in Christ and great revival happened there. But after that, New England is a tough area for the gospel today. And America is getting hardened to the gospel as way, as also. But you know that that hardness of heart can happen to individuals anywhere. You might have been raised in a religious home and you heard, uh, you heard about God, you heard about the Bible, you heard about that, you've heard it, and your heart has got hardened to that. It didn't plant into your soul Maybe you've been raised in a cult or a false religion, and it's hard for you to understand the gospel because your heart has become hardened. Sometimes a wicked, sinful life will cause your heart to get hard to the gospel of God's grace and salvation. Sometimes growing up, you've heard it so many times, and you've heard it from a child, and you've heard it every Sunday, and your heart still is hardened to that. Maybe the fact that you don't think that I've got plenty of time. You might think, well, hey, when I get old, when I, uh, I'm done having fun or when I can't have any fun anymore, then I'll get saved and accept it. You know what happens when people think that? Their heart gets hardened. I've seen people like that who, who just can't believe because they've hardened their heart so long and they've, they've waited their way, they've waited their They're past their time, and they've gotten hardened to the gospel. The Bible says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Notice what happens if the ground is hardened, the seed is taken away. Verse 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it or doesn't receive it or believe it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. You know, a lot of times I've seen people do that. I've seen people hear the gospel message and they don't make a response. And then all of a sudden, the devil comes and snatches it away. I remember one time on visitation uh, with someone, I was getting, uh, me and my friend uh, were, were sharing the gospel with this person. We were getting down to, uh, and, and you understand it. Yes, I understand it. Would you like to receive Christ right now? And then there was a knock on the door. Relatives from out of state just showed up right then. And of course, you don't say, oh, will you please wait outside a minute? You know, <laughs> your family member's making a major decision. No, we, it was the devil. The devil came and snatched away the seed from a person that was ready. You know, me and my friend, we decided, let's go back next week. And he ended up getting saved. But you know what happens? A lot of times you leave that seed out there. You don't make a response. Then the devil comes and snatches it away. The seed is powerful, even though it's on hard ground. And people sometimes allow this. You know, you need to not tune out the Holy Spirit when he's knocking on your door. 
I heard this story about a park ranger at Yellowstone National Park. He was leading a group of hikers to a fire lookout, and the ranger was so intent on telling the hikers about the flowers and about the animals that he considered that the messages that he was getting on his two-way radio were becoming distracting. So he reached over and he clicked the switch and turned it off. As the group were nearing the tower, the ranger was met by a nearly breathless lookout who asked, why had he shut his radio? Why wasn't he responding? You see, a grizzly bear had been stalking the group, and the authorities were trying to warn them on the radio of the danger. But click, he turned it off, and a lot of people that are hearing the gospel just click and turn it off, and their heart gets hardened. The Bible says, today, if you will hear His voice, don't harden your heart like the soil in Jesus' parable of the wayside soil because the devil will come and snatch it away from you. If you have an opportunity to believe in the gospel, you better take it now because you never know what may happen to you. That was the first type of soil. The second soil is called the stony soil in verse 5 and 6. It says, some, some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. This type of soil is not filled with rocks, as we would indicate with the idea of stony. The plowman would have probably removed the rocks if it was in his harvest field. But this is probably the shallow soil with a layer of rock below the surface. And this soil would warm quickly and plants would sprout up quickly because it was thin, it was, it was warm and had initial growth, but would soon wither and die because the roots couldn't get to the water. It was there with that layer of rock underneath. This ground is shallow. Who are these people? I believe these are people who make an emotional response. In verse 20, it says, But he received the seed on stony places. This is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. They are the emotional hearers. They're fans of Jesus. Jesus had many who were in the crowds who were followed him for the miracles, followed him for the free food that he would pass out, but soon they would walk away from him. The hard rock of an unchanged heart under the outward show of a warmth and interest. They would follow for a while, but that didn't take root because they were just in it for a while. Billy Graham is a great preacher in America's past. He had a crusade in 1978 in the country of Singapore. And Statisticians said there were 237 churches involved in this, and they met in a 65,000-seat auditorium, and they had the crusade and ended up having 20,000 decisions, 20,000 decisions, and, and more than half of those were first-time decisions for salvation. Well, after that, 49%, about half of them, showed up for a class, and only 1,300 finished the class, and after that, 850 lost interest before they got baptized, 
18 months later, of those initial decisions, only 40, 486 continued. Nothing wrong with the seed, nothing wrong with the sower, Billy Graham, but it was falling on shallow ground. And Billy Graham's not the only one. I, I tell you, I've had people in our church, churches that I've pastored over the years, people that I've personally led to make a decision in Christ, and they got excited for a while, but afterwards they were gone. What happened? Well, they were emotional hearers. They weren't genuine in their soul. If they would have been genuine, there would have been some fruit in their life. They just followed for a while, and, and it always scares me to death. If here in our church of Peace River, perhaps there's someone like that shallow ground, they're going along for the ride, they're excited, you know, the preaching's good, the music's good, but things start turning around and they're gone. The emotional is all out of them. The growth withers. It didn't have roots. It faded away when the tribulation hit. When persecution arrived, they stumbled, they bailed out. The early growth of their profession withered when things got hot. The tears of joy and the high fives and the hugs. When the music was silent, the trials started and the crowds began to thin out. Maybe some sickness in your life, maybe some family opposition. And you say, I didn't sign up for this. That's the emotional here. You see, D.L. Moody said, if sinners take up religion in a fair day... They will lay it down in a foul day. They're willing to go to sea, but on condition that there's no storms. They think too much of wearing a thorn, even though it's borrowed from Christ's crown. I remember when I was in Indiana, we had things that were called maple trees. Remember maple trees? You know, don't have them too many down here. And once in a while, when I would get up the gumption, I would uh, put a ladder up there and notice that my gutters had maple trees growing in them. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever let that happen to you? You see, what happens is uh, if you don't clean out your gutters regularly, it gets a little thin layer of dirt in the bottom of that gutter. And then one of those little whirly things, those propellers, uh, which are maple seeds, they just land in that warm, moist soil, and boom, a little maple tree starts growing. Now, there's not much room for that root to grow, so it's not going to get 20 feet. Or if you're in trouble, if you've got a 20 feet foot, you're a pretty lazy person, too, if you let it get that big. But anyway, it's not going to grow very far because it doesn't have any, any roots to take. And that's the way a lot, of, a lot of people who make a profession of faith, they have an emotional response, but that's it. They go along for a while, but when the things get tough in their life, this is, hey, I didn't sign up for this. I'm bailing out. They weren't genuinely saved in the first place. Oh, my friend, make sure that your heart was there and it's right with the Lord. Well, the wayside soil is the hard, unresponsive hearts that are lost. The stony soil is that thin, emotional, here, they are lost. The third type of soil is the thorny soil, verse 7. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. And look at verse 22. Now he who receives seed among thorns is he who hears the word, and then the cares of the world, 
and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. What are these thorn roots here? In Palestine, they would have many thorn bushes. And this soil that was sown here, the thorns roots were under the soil, elsewise someone wouldn't throw the seed in purposely in where they would see a bunch of thorn trees or anything. The roots were buried under the ground and not visible. It, it had excellent possibilities, but then as it began to grow, then the thorn roots came up and choked out the growth and there was no fruit. The idea of no fruit shows that it wasn't real. It wasn't a genuine growth. The growth was choked out. These are the ones who make superficial commitments without true repentance. They can't break with the world. They can't break with the love of money and the world. Just like the rich young ruler wanted to be a follower of Jesus. Remember that story when he says, good master, what shall I do and inherit eternal life? And Jesus knew his heart. He knew what was growing inside that soil. Jesus could see the thorns there. He says, I'll tell you what you do, young man. You go home, you sell everything you have, give it away to the poor, and then you come and follow me. Well, does, he, does Jesus say that to everybody? No, no. He said it to that young man because he could see the thorn roots growing there and knew that the heart was not going to receive the gospel genuinely because all those things would, would be more important than Jesus. John says it well, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world's passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. The thorns choke out genuine faith. So far we've looked at the hard wayside soil. They're lost. We looked at the thin layer of the stony soil, they're lost. We've looked at the thorn roots, the thorny soil, those folks are lost. But thank God, there's some good ground. Verse 8, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. The good soil is fertile. It's been plowed. The seed gets down deep into the soil, out from underfoot, out of the bird's sight. Its roots will penetrate deeply. The clean soil is free from weeds, room for the crop to thrive. The ground is receptive. It's been plowed. What is this referring to? This is those who the Holy Spirit has plowed up your heart and has brought a genuine conviction of your sin and a readiness to believe the truth. We never know what kind of ground is out there that we are going to sow the gospel. We preach the word everywhere because we never know where that, that good ground is. Three-fourths of it might be barren ground, but there might be some that's good ground, so we sow the seed everywhere. The marks of authentic faith is endurance, and it remains and brings forth fruit. Jesus said, if you abide in me and abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Temporary faith is not true faith at all. The fruit flourishes. 
What kind of fruit is this referring to? Some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Well, I would imagine it refers to the fruit of your character, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of Christ-likeness. A person who is genuinely saved and is good ground, he's going to show it in his character. He's going to be changed in his lifestyle. The things that he used to do, he's not going to do anymore. His conversation is going to be different. His character is going to be different. There's a genuine fruitfulness in the way he lives. There's also the fruit of service. He's going to want to serve the Lord. No matter what it is, he's going to want to do something for the Lord Jesus. He's going to w- tell others about Jesus, whether it's witnessing to others or bringing them to church or winning them to Christ. There's going to be some kind of fruit. There's going to be a desire for study of the Word. There's going to be a desire for time spending with the Lord in prayer. There's going to be a, a desire to be in the house of God with other believers. There's going to be fruit from the good ground. Well, what kind? How much fruit? It says a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. I noticed that just as there were three soils with no fruit, there are three kinds of good soil bearing fruit. All of us have some kind of fruit. You know what I want to do? I want to be the kind of soil that bears a hundredfold fruit. I want to be fruitful for my Lord, whether it's in my character, whether it's in the acts of service, whether it's in my lifestyle, the fruit of a desire, a longing, a lifelong engagement in serving the Lord, the fruit of acts of kindness, the fruit of a godly life. That's the kind of fruit that I want to have, that all genuine Christians have some kind of fruit in their life that's evidence of the life in I don't know if you remember or not, several years ago, there was a a couple that came to our church, Jeff and Isabel Wilkinson. Remember Jeff and Izzy? Izzy was a firm believer. She had relatives that were missionaries. She loved the Lord. Jeff has a smile on his face. He just came along with Izzy, you know. And then Izzy died. Jeff fell apart. He called me up and said, Pastor, I've got to come and see you. He said in my study, he says, I, I need something. I, I watched my wife and I saw that she had genuine faith and I don't have it. I need to be saved. 97 years old, that man sat in my study and accepted Jesus as his Savior. And you know, he only lived a month and a half after his salvation. But we were warming up the water for him to get baptized, but he couldn't get baptized. The Lord took him home, and his family looked through his belongings and noticed that he had four envelopes in there for the next four Sundays of giving his tithes to the Lord. Well, maybe only 30-fold fruit, but he had fruit and evidence of the life that sprang in this old but good ground of 97 years old. The seed is the Word of God. It is perfect. It doesn't need to be dressed up. It doesn't need to be tweaked. It doesn't need to be changed. All it needs is to be spread everywhere, and that's our job as people who sow the seed of the gospel. But I want to ask you this morning, how is the soil of your heart? 
Is there good ground that the Holy Spirit has plowed? Have you received the seed into your life and are you bearing fruit? Or this morning, are you like that hard ground? Oh, just another sermon. Just another thing that the pastor is preaching on. I can go out of here and have lunch and the devil will come and snatch that seed away. Or maybe you've just kind of been going along for the ride. It's kind of an emotional thing for you and you'll ditch it whenever things get a little tough. Or maybe you've got so many irons in the fire that you think that the things of this world are much more important. Oh, I challenge you. Let the Holy Spirit plow your heart to receive the good seed of the gospel. Father, we bow in your presence today and thank you for your word. Thank you for the words of Jesus. And and now, Lord, as we make a transition to our communion service, a time to examine our hearts, I pray we would do that. Make sure we know the Lord. Make sure our life is fruitful for you and pray that we would focus on Jesus' death on the cross as payment for our sin. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord's Supper is for those who are good ground, true believers that received Christ as their Savior. If you've never done this, this is not, if you've never accepted Christ, just let it go by. It's for those that are genuinely saved. And those that are saved, it's a time of examination. Examine your heart to make sure that your heart is right with the Lord. You might be saved, but sometimes we get a little callous and we get, we forget. It's a time to focus on the cross. Focus on what Jesus did for us there, paying the penalty for our sin. I'd like to read some verses from 1 Corinthians in preparation for the Lord's Supper. 